The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 180 A Prophet at Home The green hills of Galilee under the noon sun were a familiar sight to Jesus and his companions as they approached the end of their journey from Judea. The hill country felt both welcoming and unwelcoming. Welcoming because it was the beloved land of Jesus' youth and unwelcoming because he knew that the people here would reject his message. Welcome, Jesus of Nazareth. The greeting came from one of the elders of the town. Jesus and his disciples were just entering Cana, the town where he had performed his first public miracle. A few of the elders approached the group and greeted them. They were among those who were in Jerusalem during the start to the spring holy day season, when Jesus had thrown the merchants out of the temple and had performed miracles of healing. But Jesus knew that their attitudes would soon change. These familiar people were the least likely to believe what he taught. Sir, please help me. Jesus turned to look at the person whose pained voice had cried out over the small crowd. It was a man wearing the clothes and jewelry of a nobleman. His eyes were reddened and he was devastated. Something was very wrong. My son, it's my son. He is dying. I have heard that you can heal terrible sickness. Please, please come to my home in Capernaum and heal him. If you do not, he will not last the rest of the day. The nobleman was distraught. All he could think of was his child. Please, he begged. I know it is a day's journey from here, and it may already be too late, but this is my son. Please come down and save his life. Jesus looked at the distressed father and had compassion. Start your journey home, he said. Your son lives. The nobleman looked at Jesus. He had seen his son suffering from this deadly fever, unable to get comfortable, unable to sleep, unable to speak clearly or think clearly or even recognize his parents as they tried to comfort him. The nobleman had tried everything, desperate. He had finally sought out help in Cana, but found none. Then he had encountered Jesus. He had thought that if Jesus could rush with him to Capernaum and perhaps touch his son or speak certain words, or do some other sort of action, maybe his son could be saved. But Jesus was saying that none of that was necessary. Jesus had the faith that God would heal his son instantly. He had the faith that it was already done. The nobleman looked at Jesus and believed him. He thanked him and began the seven-hour journey home. Before he had reached Capernaum, 
the nobleman saw men walking up the road toward him. As they came closer, he recognized them. They were two of his servants. Running toward the nobleman, one of the men raised his hands up over his head. He was shouting something. As he came closer, the nobleman could see the jubilation on his face, and he could hear the joyful news. Your son lives! Your son lives! Your son lives! Overwhelmed with emotion, the nobleman stopped in his tracks as his two servants ran toward him. Through tears of joy, he looked at them, physically and emotionally exhausted, yet ecstatic. When did my son's health start improving? He asked, although he was sure he already knew the answer. It was a sudden change, the other servant said. At noon, the nurse said that he would die within 24 hours and that we must prepare to give you the terrible news when you returned. But an hour later, the boy walked into the kitchen and asked for something to eat. All of us were stunned. The nurse was certain he was delirious, but she felt his forehead and looked for any other symptoms, and he was completely healthy. The fever just disappeared. That was exactly the time that the nobleman had heard and believed Jesus when he had said, Your son lives. The nobleman went on to tell his servants and his wife and son what had happened, and everyone in the house believed that Jesus was the Christ. Later, Jesus proceeded from Cana to his original hometown, Nazareth. On the Sabbath, he attended services at the local synagogue. He stood up to serve as a guest speaker and read aloud from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Eternal is upon me, he read with emphasis, because, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The eyes of the audience were fixed on him. The room was silent. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, returned it to the minister, and sat down. Every single person in the synagogue was still looking at him, wondering why he had read those particular scriptures. Jesus wasn't done. From his seat among the others, he said, Today, this scripture has just been fulfilled in your ears. Many people in Nazareth and throughout Galilee and beyond had been discussing Jesus. Many had been wondering whether he was a false teacher, a true prophet, or even the Christ. Now Jesus had told them that he was fulfilling some of the prophecies in Isaiah right before their eyes. The congregation was astonished. This was difficult to accept. A buzz passed through the crowd. Isn't this the son of Joseph the Builder? I heard that he was conceived because of sin. He never had any high religious schooling, did he? Who does he think he is? He must think he is better than the rest of us. How could Isaiah's prophecies be fulfilled through him? Jesus had known that his neighbors, family, and friends would react this way. You can tell me to heal myself the same way I healed other people in Capernaum. But I tell you this, no prophet is accepted by people in his own country. In fact, it has always been this way. There were many widows in Israel during the famine at the time of Elijah. Yet, God did not send him to any of them, only to a widow in Sidon. 
The crowd quieted enough to hear him, but continued to eye him with skepticism. During the time of Elijah, there were lepers in Israel, but he did not heal a single one. Jesus continued, but he did heal a Gentile, Naaman, the Syrian. At that point, some of the men in the crowd stood up. People began shouting, You are insulting us. You're just a regular person. We don't believe that you fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah. You think you're so much more special than us? When the Christ comes, he won't be like you. He'll be far greater. You are teaching lies. People who teach such lies deserve to die. Out! They cried, pushing Jesus from the synagogue. In emotional anger, they rushed Jesus to the top of a cliff overlooking a gorge below Nazareth, ready to push him to his death. This is how people responded to Jesus Christ's message. They loved to see him do miracles, and they wanted to benefit from his power, but they did not want to believe his message. In fact, they hated it so much that they tried to kill him. But God intervened. He caused the men holding him by his tunic to loosen their grip, and in the commotion, Jesus was able to pass through the crowd and escape death. Now it was time for Jesus to leave Nazareth. Like all of God's prophets, he too had been rejected in his hometown. Again, Jesus was on the road, journeying back to his house in Capernaum. This is where he would be based for much of his ministry. Capernaum was a prosperous city on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was full of people, merchants and traders passing through on the busy trade route nearby. Government agents collecting taxes and fishermen who were part of a flourishing industry on the sparkling waters of the 64-square-mile lake. Jesus soon found himself again surrounded by people who needed to be healed. Numerous people who were sick, diseased, crippled, blind or deaf came to him by the Sea of Galilee. He also spoke to large crowds about the scriptures and the kingdom of God. Walking beside the seashore one day, Jesus spotted Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. Both men had seen Jesus after he was baptized in Bethabara and believed that he was the Christ. But they had since returned to Capernaum and their fishing business. Now that was about to change. Peter, Jesus said, Could I use your boat as a platform to speak? Peter agreed. Once they had rowed out a few yards and anchored, the crowd of men, women, and children that had gathered to hear Jesus quieted and he began to speak about the kingdom of God. When he had finished delivering his message and the crowd had dispersed, Jesus instructed Peter to row out into deeper water. Jesus told him to cast his fishing net into the water. But Peter was a little hesitant. Master, he said, my men and I were at this all night and we didn't catch anything, but I will obey your instruction. Peter let down the nets. After a few moments, he noticed that the lines leading down into the water had tightened. Master, some fish. I'm surprised we're catching anything at this tide. 
Then the lines became even tighter. Peter's eyes widened as the ropes creaked against the sides of the boat and threatened to snap. We've got to haul this catch in before we get any more, Peter exclaimed. The nets are breaking. A couple hundred yards across the water were Peter's fishing partners, James and John. These two brothers had also become Jesus' disciples at Betabara. James! John called. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? The two men stared at Peter's boat. Peter was trying to pull in his bulging net, but it was so full that it was breaking in places. The great number of flopping musk, sardine, and biny fish were far more likely to sink his boat than made it inside. James and John maneuvered alongside Peter and used their equipment to hoist the sagging parts of the net into their own boat. But the weight of the catch was so heavy that even though it was split between them, both boats were now sinking. Peter looked at Jesus and realized that he had performed a miracle by the power of God to teach him a lesson. He turned to Jesus and fell to his knees. Master, I admit that I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to be your disciple. You should leave me behind. Peter, do not be afraid. Jesus responded. From now on, you will leave fishing behind. You will come with me, and you will catch men instead. These fish would be the last Peter, Andrew, James, and John would catch for quite a while. The men rowed their boats back to shore and left the lives of successful fishermen behind. They would now become fishers of men. On the Sabbath in Capernaum, Jesus again taught in the synagogue. The people were impacted greatly by his teaching because he spoke with authority, which the scribes had never done. On this Sabbath, however, his teaching was interrupted by an unearthly wail. Leave us alone! A demon-possessed man was crying out, walking down the aisle toward Jesus. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. This helpless man had been possessed by a demon, an evil angel. And the demon recognized that Jesus was the Christ. Although the other people in the synagogue shrank from the man in fear, Jesus faced him and rebuked the demon with authority. Be silent and come out of this man. The man began to shake uncontrollably and fell to the floor. The demon did not want to leave, but it had to submit to Jesus' authority. Like a rebellious child forced to obey, it finally left its victim, wailing through the man's voice as it departed. The man was left still and sober, alive and free from the demon. Murmurs of amazement passed through the crowd. What did we just see? 
He just commanded that demon to leave. So even the unclean spirits obeyed Jesus? I have never even heard of such a man who could rebuke demons. The people stared at Jesus in astonishment. They had never seen such a thing. God the Father had used this miracle to establish Jesus' authority. The incident spread Jesus' fame even more powerfully throughout the region around Galilee. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John returned to Peter's house, where Andrew was also staying. As the men sat down on the porch, Peter brought them some grave news. My mother-in-law is sick with a fever. It was a dangerous illness, but Jesus would use this opportunity to help the mother of Peter's wife. Please take me to her, Jesus requested. The lady was lying upstairs in bed. Her body was dangerously warm as it tried to kill the destructive infection spreading inside her. Jesus did not perform an elaborate ritual. He simply took her hand. The woman's hand tightened around his, and she sat up, putting her feet on the floor. She took a deep breath and then stood. The fever was gone. In fact, her energy returned so completely that she immediately insisted on going to the kitchen and helping serve the food. Soon the sun set and the Sabbath ended. Almost immediately, there was a knock on the door. It was one of the people from the synagogue asking for healing, and more were coming down the street. Word had spread quickly that Jesus could heal diseases and cast out demons. Soon, it seemed as though the entire city was lined up at Peter's door. The Jews believed it would violate God's law to heal on the Sabbath. So they had waited for the sun to set, but Jesus would have gladly healed them all on the Sabbath. He knew that it was not wrong to do good works or to be anointed on the Sabbath. One by one, they came to him. He healed many different diseases and cast out many demons. Jesus forbade the demons to say anything. These evil angels knew who Jesus Christ was, but they had to submit to his authority. The next morning, Jesus got up before sunrise and went by himself to pray to God. He always spent the first part of his day with his father before anything could interrupt him. That is when he got his power for the day. Meanwhile, back at Peter's house, Everyone was looking for Jesus. Peter and the others soon went to track him down. The people of the city want to hear from you again, Peter said when he found Jesus. We should go back. No, Peter. We need to go to the next town, and then more towns after that, so I can preach to them also. That is the reason I have come. Jesus then began an extensive tour of all the villages of Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God in all of the synagogues. News of the miracles he performed in those places continued to spread, and many people began to follow him from place to place. One day, a horribly disfigured man with clawed hands 
and open sores came to Jesus. Please. The leper begged, dropping to his knees. If you are willing, please cleanse me. The poor man knew Jesus had healed others, but he was not sure that Jesus would be willing to heal his horrible case of leprosy. Compassion for this wretched man moved Jesus, and he said a few short words, words the man would never forget. I will, he said as he touched the leper. Be you clean. The man's astonishment at being touched was overwhelmed by amazement as he looked at his hands. They were unclawed. He looked at his arms and hands. They were free of sores. His body was clean and whole. He had instantly been healed. The man was so overwhelmed by happiness and gratitude that he was sobbing with tears of emotion and joy. Before you go, hear me. Do not tell anyone what has happened here today. Go to the priest and give the required offering. Jesus was referring to the offering commanded by Moses in Leviticus 14, verses 4 through 10. But the former leper was so excited that he ignored Jesus' instruction. He told everyone with whom he came into contact. So many people found out that Jesus had healed the leper that they thronged Jesus every time they found out where he was. So many people came to him that he could not even enter the city. They wanted him to heal them, but they still did not believe he was the Christ. Soon, Jesus returned to his home at Capernaum, preaching the kingdom of God and healing people. One day, the house was so full that no one could come through the door. Among the crowd was a man with palsy, whose muscles were diseased. Some of his limbs were paralyzed, others were convulsed. The man was unable to get up from bed. But he had friends, and they believed that Jesus could heal him. So a group of them muscled the bed onto their shoulders and climbed the steps outside, leading up to the second story and then up to the roof. What's that sound? Peter asked. A heavy scraping sound was coming from above. Then a ray of light shone down into the living room. The friends of the man with palsy had actually loosened the roof tiles and were looking down into the house from above. As Peter made his way through the crowd to the door, trying to get outside to determine what these people were doing on the roof, the men's heads disappeared. Then a large shape filled the hole and began to descend. It was the man's bed, with him still lying in it. These people were putting forth great efforts to reach Jesus. Jesus recognized these men's great faith that he could heal this man of the palsy. Son, he said to the man lying helpless before him and the crowd of people, Your sins are forgiven. The crowd was awed that Jesus could not only heal, but also forgive sins. 
they did not understand that physical healing is the forgiveness of physical sins. Among the crowd were some of the local Jewish religious leaders, including Pharisees and scribes. Why does this man speak blasphemies? One of the scribes asked a Pharisee, Who can forgive sins but God? Jesus immediately understood what they were thinking. Why do you reason these things in your hearts? He asked, Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Don't you know that healing is the same as forgiveness of sins? Jesus turned to the sick man. So you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Arise, take your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, the debilitated man's muscles healed and strengthened. He stood up, lifted his bed from off the living room floor, and walked out the door. The people were amazed. They had never seen a healing like this before. The event had an electrifying effect on the people, and they glorified God. But the religious leaders were energized with a different emotion. Anger. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.